Shut up, I love it. Hello, large men? Actually, I'm small men. Shut up, I love it. And I did not have a good intro for this week. (laughs) (laughs) I I am Jill Cabello. (laughs) I am Sasha Filer. Apparently there was recently a small penis march in Los Angeles. I don't think that's what we're here to talk about. I was there, yes. (laughs) There was, and we had a great time. This is Shut Up, I Love It, a podcast where we invite a special guest to talk about something underrated, underappreciated, forgotten, misunderstood, reviled, hated. Joining us today, she is a writer, an improviser. She lives in Los Angeles, and her name is Carla Kakowski. Welcome, Carla. Thank you. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. I can't I can't wait to talk about this wonderful film. <laughs> oh, tell us, tell us, get right to it. Yeah, yeah. It? Get into it. No more teasing. Don't let us spoil it, because we will. Uh, so I'm here today to defend uh, Garden State, a 2004 film written, directed, and starred in by Mr. Uh, Zach Scrubs. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And boy, does he write and direct this. Yes. And star in it. (laughs) It's very braffy, like this movie. It is. Yes. Uh, On the rewatch, I was like, oh, yeah, this is a lot of braff. Braff's all over this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Based on the real story, apparently, like real experiences, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm learning from from Wikipedia. Real experiences, (laughs) both experienced and uh, hoped for. It seems. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but tell people a little, for people not familiar with this movie. Yes. Tell people a little bit about what it's about and Great. what kind of category of shut up, I love it, you think it belongs in. Yeah. Okay. So uh, this film um, came out in the uh, Bush years, <laughs> the Bush Jr. years. Uh, we call them the Braff years. The Braff Ourselves years. in this show. <laughs> Uh, And um, it's about a a man in his 20s who's been away from home for a long time. His mother dies and he is um, called back home uh, to go to her funeral. And there starts his journey of trying to figure out who he is, what he is, and how it's going for him. And um, we have that for two hours, (laughs) two solid hours. (laughs) And we find out everything. All of these questions get answered. Yep. It's an emotional crisis for Andrew. Um, And along the way, he reconnects with some old high school buddies, uh, including uh, Mr. Peter Sarsgaard, who's fantastic. Um, And he falls in love with one of the original Manic Pixie Dream Girls, uh, Mm -hmm. Sam, played by Natalie Portman. Um, It has the most amazing soundtrack, truly one of my favorite soundtracks um, for any film. And I saw this at a time when I was struggling. And so it really resonated with me. And perhaps a lot of my love for this film is that nostalgia that I have when I revisit it. Um, Yeah, in terms of a category, I'm I'm gonna say it's misunderstood, but perhaps some might say it's reviled. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like there was like a cultural shift in how people felt about it and how they feel about it now, supposedly. Yes. And I do feel a little uh, that is tiresome to me with 
movies and songs and celebrities, which is like, oh, we loved them. Now, of course, I'm not talking about people who've been canceled for very valid reasons, but, right. but other things that's like, oh, you know, this was um, uh, given a lot of awards or whatever, and people really liked it. It made a lot of money. And then 10 or 20 years later, it's like, oh, that was that's a piece of crap. Uh, mm-hmm. And not being able to see it through the lens of the time. Um, and I feel like this movie falls into that under yeah. that umbrella. And the cycle of that now is 20 minutes. Yes. Like, um, a movie <laughs> totally. will win an, or get nominated for an award and it's already like, okay, that's our overrated and people just cycle through the quick backlash of emotions. Oh, 100%. Like I was at a dinner party the other night and people were complaining about succession and I was like, wait, people hate succession now? <laughs> like what, what's happening? Tell me everything. Why Yeah, is that? just, you know, like uh, the characters are too mean. I mean, all kind, you know, valid points, mm. not to, you know, whatever, give them a hard time necessarily, but I was like, this feels like that backlash is starting to happen with something that everybody really loves and now mm. it's like, why do we love it? And it's not really overthought. A- yeah, and not to do any tangent here, but people who are hating on succession, I think they should, uh, it sounds like they probably love Ted Lasso warm core uh, TV uh, show. And you know what I'm going to tell them? That's what, that was my, that's my solution for them. If you love Ted Lasso, you should watch brand new cherry flavor starting Rosa uh, Salazar. It's going to be right up your alley. And you know what? It's not. It's about black magic. Horrible things happen to it. It's incredible how it's on TV and it's fantastic. Highly recommend it. So if you're right. really so sensitive, you can't handle succession, then just die right in to brand new cherry flavor. But that's not what we're here to talk about. I just wanted to put it out no, there I love to tangents. all these yeah, sensitive people. These Coming tangents back. are actually tonally appropriate for Garden State, I feel like. Because uh, there's a lot of uh, pop culture tangents and just emotional tangents throughout. So yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, to where you're three quarters done with the movie and you're like, wait, what movie has occurred? <laughs> Uh, but let's get into me and Sasha's history with this because yes, please. I was in the trenches when this movie came out. Mm-hmm. I was working at a movie theater oh. selling tickets specifically <laughs> at that time. And so I remember it being a moment. Mm-hmm. And the kind of swirl of emotions uh, was there from the start around this movie and like kind of a discourse pre pre-Twitter discourse, not mm-hmm. pre-internet, but I feel like Twitter discourse is its own like oh, yeah. era. Internet haven't in. really started until Twitter started. Like that was just like <laughs> a joke. But the emotions were yeah. there. Yes. Um, and I remember selling tickets and my coworkers, everybody had an opinion about this movie because it was the indie darling movie mm-hmm. at theaters at the time. And there's always one, right? And the, the, theater landscape has changed a lot in that way but like this was definitely a a different era of theater going 2004 but it was really apparent when there was like an indie darling Mm -hmm, playing mm -hmm. at the theater that was like blowing up uh, opposed to just like fading out after a weekend and it was very (laughs) obvious who was coming up to my ticket counter and going to buy a ticket to that movie you could (laughs) Look at the sea of the crowd and know who was going to see this movie. So that was interesting. Joe, was it, was it my face looking back at you? <laughs> yes. I think I okay. might have sold you two tickets back to back. I was like, are you sure you want to see this one again? Not <laughs> <it> AVP. <laughs> and I remember a lot of my coworkers hating it, talking shit about it. A lot of my friends. Really? Even then? Even then. And I think mm. part of that was just the it's popular and it's weird. 
mm-hmm, mm-hmm. compared to, you know, it was that like sore thumb indie movie at the theater, which usually goes unnoticed until people love it. Then it's like, what are you doing in this house of uh, aliens versus predator? <laughs> That's what we should be watching here. And that was the general vibe. And for that reason, I never watched it until <gasps> oh, for this podcast because wow. I wasn't a scrub. I never watched scrubs either. So like Zach Braff, I wasn't excited to, to go see. Then there was the manic pixie dream girl discourse that happened yes. very quickly with this movie. I feel like the term or at least the idea was around before it, but this is like what started the the discourse around it. I definitely have a whole lot of feelings about that term, which we'll go into at some point because yeah we need to we need to address it (laughs) yes for sure and so this was my first time watching it after uh you know now nearly two decades of infamy Mm -hmm. bush has not been president for a while yeah well we might get another bush as president someday so you know (laughs) that's what i say bush it up (laughs) yeah Uh, how about you sasha i saw it at some point i have no memory of the circumstances like what is the context where am I who am I nothing but I remember loving it and thinking it's great and it's brilliant so that is Mm. all I have and I'm gonna guess like 10 12 years or 15 maybe years ago I saw it yeah so it wasn't like when it came out Mm -hmm. but uh, a little later and I loved it and I felt like it was great and everything I wanted from a movie wow that was yeah wow Wow. <laughs> Everything you want from a movie. Zach Braff, that's all I want from a movie. And it gave me that <laughs> done. And a lot of music uh, that he got a Grammy for, right? Uh, yeah, this, I think the soundtrack got a Grammy, right? Is that how that works? But I think like he got a Grammy. Oh, he got it. a Grammy. And that wow. was like caused some like reaction on the internet. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like, wh- why is he getting this? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think, you know, I, I guess I brought up Bush in the first place because it was Zach Braff's older than me, but certainly I was I'm like of that generation where, you know, we uh, kind of felt like Bush stole the election. Like mm-hmm. there's this distaste <laughs> in your mouth mm-hmm. about politics and becoming an adult. Like I was, I think, just coming out of high school when that happened. And um, I do feel like this movie kind of encapsulates that feeling amongst like early 20 somethings, you know, with the war that was going on. We were all like, what is this war? Why are we in this war? Um, And it has that kind of like a maudlin vibe of like, what am I doing with my life? You know, Uh, the the young 20 something person like searching for meaning, um, maybe perhaps over medicated. I wasn't medicated enough personally, Mm -hmm. Uh, but. But, you know, and so for me, it like really just does such a great job of um, portraying that vibe that I had, like as a distraught young person who lived in L.A. Like I had just moved to L.A., totally confused about what I was doing with my life, thinking of moving back home, went and saw this movie uh, and was like, oh, wow, this is like a thing that happens in your early 20s, I guess. Mm -hmm. And, And I felt I felt seen in a weird way by this by this movie uh yeah yeah and i love how sincere it is and i know that that's easy to make fun of i think that's very easy to make fun of is sincerity or earnestness right um but even rewatching it 
it doesn't hit me as hard as it did then. And certainly I see the tropes that he either created and were then, you know, bastardized throughout the years or perhaps that he stole from other filmmakers. And that is more apparent to me now. But I, I do really still enjoy how very um, earnest he is with all of it and sincere. And it, I think, yeah, that is like the point to criticize Right. Is not that he's he's being earnest, but how? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it's just hilarious to me, and especially watching it, but this has always been kind of the mystique around it, is yeah. this guy writing, directing, and starring in this mm-hmm. movie where the character is nothing, yet everybody loves him. The yeah. girl loves him. He gets it all. <laughs> and there's something kind of grotesque about that. Of like, he's cute, dude, though. I have to say, he's cute. I think he's cute, yeah. He's looking so like Dax Shepard in this movie Mm. that I think they're twins, actually. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They could be. But that's kind of the thing about it that, to me, the earnestness, it's like, oh, Mm -hmm. this kind of feels embarrassing for you, Zach Braff. Yeah, I can see that. (laughs) Like, uh, yeah, like he he just wins, he wins in the end in such a way that, like, although does he? I don't know. I, I mean, I guess this is something to talk about, too, which is kind of this ambiguous ending, right? Which is totally a copy of The Graduate, I think. You know, like at the end when they're on the bus and they're looking at each other like, now what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? And so at the end of this, it's like him and Natalie Portman. Although it seems like they're going to be together and stay there. but I think they're still together. Yeah. Like in, yeah. in this universe. And it's mm-hmm. like, but what's next? Well, I don't know. What's next? You know? Um yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I, I hear what you're saying, though, in terms of, like, it's almost an embarrassment of riches for him yeah, uh, in to this be, film. It, it'd be one thing if he was, Jack Beck was just starring in it or just yeah. directed it. Yeah, yeah. Just wrote it. <laughs> but him doing all that and being like, I'm going to have Natalie Portman just yes. gush over me. <laughs> but then she said giving yes. Despite nothing. <laughs> and boy, does she. Yes, she does. She's into him. Hardcore. Oh, and it's complete wish fulfillment writing mm-hmm. in my eyes. Like, oh, I just met this girl. She's inviting me over. She's going to take me to her room. But she's still going to be, you know, not just giving it all away. There's still, like, mystique and mm-hmm. this tension there that's fun. And it's just like, okay, Zach Raff, we get it. <laughs> you want this to happen to you. And it did. Isn't he dating the uh, Midsummer girl? He is? Oh, yeah. He is dating. Um, gosh, I forget her name. Yeah. Um, I did. The beautiful Florence, woman. Florence, Florence Pugh? Pugh? Yeah. Yes. He, what? Dating. And a lot of yes. people are upset about it. They uh, are. As, as they usually get when an older Hollywood wow. gent dates Boyish a looking older man. So cut him a little slack. That's really interesting. I had no idea. Wow. Mm-hmm. I've learned so much. And it's only been a few minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a lot of hot goss here. It's shut up. I love it. On the, all the Hollywood happenings. Um, yeah. I think she had to like defend uh, her love and their love to each other oh, wow. in front of the world. Yeah. I'm going to take a deep dive on the internet after this. <laughs> you're gonna, figure that you're, out. Yeah. You're going to have to. It's always embarrassing when that happens because, like, they, it, the, the, what I've seen is a lot of, like, oh, he's older than her and, uh, you know, maybe he's done that before, dated younger women. And they're like, oh, he's, you know, this relationship's bad. He's bad. And it's like, well, Florence Pugh is a person who has right. agency and thoughts and <laughs> yeah. maybe preferences. I yeah. think that's so, what she's saying, too. So we now know which side are you on, Joe. 
I am I am 100% on older actors dating younger actresses. Is that what that's what I'm saying? Uh, under any context. I'm just going to call it on the PU side. Yeah. <laughs> the PU side, side of life. Um speaking of uh, Natalie since we mentioned <laughs> since you mentioned Natalie Portman, Carla, let's just talk about this manic pixie girl. Yes. What's the deal? You want to get into dive it. Deep? Yeah. Tell us. So Manic Pixie Dream Girl was a term that was created by a journalist after the film Elizabethtown came out, um, where Kirsten Dunst played a similar character to, um, oh, what's his face from Lord of the Rings? <laughs> Katy Perry's mm-hmm. person, or maybe ex-person, I don't know. I'm not up to date on that. Do you guys know? Do you have the hot guys? I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, Anyways, so this, uh, I think his name is Nathan, oh, I think I wrote it down yet, Nathan Rabin. He mm-hmm. wrote this article um, basically saying that, you know, there is a trend, and this was in 2005, right? So um, that's when Elizabeth T- Town came out, uh, Garden State came out in 2004, and he was writing this article about how there's this trend, trend with male filmmakers to create uh, this quirky, um, offbeat woman who... Uh, her whole purpose within the the story is to give the man a reason to live, right? Mm-hmm. And and she doesn't really have her own story, so it's not a, it's not a bad argument to make. I don't think. I think it's actually a very fair argument or pattern to call out. But what ended up happening culturally then was then instead of focusing on the content creators or the filmmakers, Manic Pixie Dream Girl became this, in my opinion, very sexist term that people throw around to describe any offbeat woman um, in real life and on screen. Uh, And it feels like it's been weaponized in a way that is very sexist and not the original intent of the phrase. And uh, so I hate it. (laughs) Yeah, I never liked it. I never liked it. I, I Yes. I, yeah, my husband used it once on uh, New Girl. What's the name? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Zoe Deschanel. Like, like, yeah. What, yeah. Whatever you're saying, I'm like, I don't like it. Stop it. He's yeah. Like, yeah. And it, it's and it is. It's used. Uh, and I and I don't feel. You know, we have similar things for I think you know some male tropes or archetypes like the um, I don't know like the uh, James Gandolfini like the Sopranos like the what the antihero right like that's generally something that we call like a man who's like kind of gruff in a TV show or whatever, but I never feel like it's used in a way that's like um, trying to invalidate their existence as characters. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. So, but to be fair, the the original uh, article, the, the man who wrote it, Nathan, he did come out years later and say that he regretted uh, popularizing that term because he also felt that it was, you know, being used in inappropriate ways. Um, not to get too serious, because I know this is a, a comedy podcast, but I do think it's like inter- <laughs> a flomity. Uh, but it's like an interesting thing to think about, I think, as, you know, we kind of talk about these women in these movies. I think, you know, D- Zoe Deschanel certainly bared the brunt of it in pretty much anything she's ever done, because she does have that kind of twee, uh, quirky thing going. Um, but certainly New Girl was written from her character's point of view. Like, she's the center of gravity in that story. Exactly. So is that fair, then, to call her a manic pixie dream girl and not just say, you know, she's quirky, she's, you know, whatever, a throwback or whatever? Yeah, or is I- that expanding the... The, the term exactly of, yeah 
I think she's definitely been guilty of it in movies, but that's even to say she's guilty of it is wrong. Exactly. There you go. Exactly. But I think that's what's got carried over. I know Yes Man, I believe she is like Mm. 100% that character. And the problem with that character is that they just service the man's storyline. And we've even seen it without them being manic pixie. Yes. It's usually totally. just dream girl. You know, yeah. the, the, <laughs> right. the girl, the damsel in distress even is Girl that. next door sometimes just serves that purpose. Yes. Yeah, there's yeah, so many. So mm-hmm. I think men uh, have the, or male characters have these uh, maybe one dimensional uh, mm-hmm. sides to them, maybe even negative sides, but there's more of them, more of the types in movies. And that's really the problem is that there's one woman in each movie and they're mm-hmm. either a manic pixie dream girl or they're just dream girl. <laughs> and right. it seems that is the big issue. And Zoe Deschanel was that in some movies. Then they want to apply that to her in New Girl, which I don't think is c- correct at all. It should be a criticism at the writing. I agree. Yeah, I think you really n- nailed it when you said, you know, um, that, you know, she, she, Zoe Deschanel is. Uh, like having to take on that um, burden <laughs> when she's not the one who mm-hmm. wrote it. She's actually, I really like her as an actress, you know, like mm-hmm. that's a subjective thing. So whatever. But uh, it just seems unfair to then put that on the, the, the shoulders of these women who are, you know, just, you know, trying to create a character that they've been given. Um, it's interesting. It's yeah. It's also judgment on like a woman's behavior in general. Yes, agreed. Like, like yes. it's almost like calling a woman shrill or like mm-hmm. um, irrational. Yes. Um, or any of that kind. And manic, I think, has that undertone. Of, yes. It was manic, manic depressive, right? It's like it's like that. Like, oh well, you're like your 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 uterus must be you know shooting around your body or like doing something wrong. Yes. That's why you're <laughs> acting like that. You see it bouncing around like in a cartoon <laughs> when they eat yeah. bumblebees and it's just like stretching their skin. <laughs> exactly. No, so, I think you're right. Like the idea of um, being unable to control emotion, right? Like that's what we think of with manic, and so therefore uh, the the woman doesn't have any agency. She doesn't, and she's not able to control. But like, actually, maybe she's just angry. <laughs> like mm-hmm. we can watch a movie and be realistic and think like this person can be uh, in love with somebody in one scene and then furious and throwing something in the in the next scene. It doesn't have to mean that they aren't a real per- or portraying real emotions. Rather, you know. Yeah, my criticism in this movie. And yes. with like the actual, to bring it back. Yes. The actual yes. trope of Manic Pixie Dream Girl, not the mm-hmm. bastardization of using the term, is that in movies we've seen, go to any 80s action movie, and then there's the girl that's in it, and mm-hmm. she's just there to be saved, to tell the, the main guy how cool he is, all that. And then the fix in the 2000s for that was, oh, we'll just make her weird. And then she has a personality. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And really, that wasn't what was missing. It's that this is a character that's only exists to serve the man. It's not that they weren't weird enough. So then right. it was like, oh, have her wear, you know, weird, weird shoes or, you know, play the ukulele. And now right. she's a character. And it's like, well, no, she's still only in the movie to be there <laughs> to hook up with the guy. Mm-hmm. I, I would agree with that, Joe. I will go a little further, though, and pose this argument. And while I do agree with that, uh, I don't think that she's the only character who's there to serve 
his story. I oh, think everybody. Everybody yeah. in the movie serves his, I think, Peter Sarsgaard's character, his father character. None of them are developed to the point where you would want to follow their storyline. They're no. all there Serving. to support him. Yeah. So that's, that is my argument for, against, you know, labeling again like pulling out that one idea of this one woman in the movie is the manic pixie dream girl or whatever not that you were saying that but that it's been said and it's like well then what do we call peter sarsgaard like the burnout who's like you know stealing from the grave like the graves or whatever that he's spoilers for yeah exactly spoilers i mean hopefully you've you've seen it if you're listening but but or you know even the dad who's like the psychiatrist Mm -hmm. who prescribes his son uh you know meds or whatever it's like well, I want to know more about that guy too. You know, like give me a fully de- developed character there as well. So it's like again, it's like focusing on the female thing, which is kind of irritating, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Um, there's no doubt that every single character exists to for for like Zach Braff's character to be like what a bunch of fucking weirdos, <laughs> like like yes. two and one dimensional characters. Yeah. It's almost like what Jason Bateman normally plays, like even in Arrested Arrested Development. Mm. Like he's the every man and every, like every person and all the people around him are like bonkers. Mm-hmm. Well, Jason Bateman then his performance always feels like very involved though. Like even if he is in the center, like in the eye of the storm, he always feels like his acting is so supreme. Like he always feels like he is very involved and concerned with everything that's happening around yeah. him. There's certain distancing from, you know, Zach Braff's like medi- overly medicated or off of his medication, uh, depressed, uh, you know, vibes. Like So he's very distant from everything and he can't a- actually empathize with anybody at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. He yeah. sees everybody as just uh, a cartoon character walking around him, which how I saw everybody when I was like 14. Everybody yeah. <laughs> was just there like a funny character that doesn't really have any depth to them. And this is like what he is doing. Right. Yeah, they Absolutely. don't have their own problems. Right. No. Right. Uh, but the supporting cast, like the actors he surrounded himself with are, and, I mean, Ian Holm is in this, like... Um, mm-hmm. So good. The Jackie so Hoffman, good. isn't mm-hmm. it? Who's so wonderful. Jean Smart. Oh, my gosh. Like, oh, she, yeah. She's so Wish fantastic. She was in more. I do, too. Yeah. I do, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do, too. I mean, that's a great dynamic between her and her son. Um, maybe more interesting than the Zach yes. Braff thing. <laughs> and I even think like the relationship between him and, uh, was it Peter Sarsgaard? Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Is kind of more interesting and dense than Zach Braff's relationship with Natalie Portman. <laughs> yeah, I, I can I can agree with that too. I, I think yeah. so too. And I yeah. think yeah. that's by uh, design, failure of design, you know, mm-hmm. because you can just... Natalie Portman wanting me, we're done, you know, but then uh, Sarsgaard has all this. I think there is a more of a richness there. And Mm -hmm. again, that's not that's a criticism of uh, male centric writing, I think. And I struggle and fail often to write female characters that aren't just serving the man. But like this movie, everybody's supposed to be serving Zach Braff because it's his story. So what do you do? Exactly. It does go back to that thing you were saying earlier, though, which is like he really set himself up for success. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. I do have to say, like, the drugs thing, like the um, antidepressants being bad for him. Yes, I noticed that too. It's been rewatch. criticized in the sense that, like, well, they're not great antidepressants in general, but they shouldn't be just 
you know, d- discarded, like the way he, the way they're spoken about in this film. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it, he does come from a generation of kids, though, who were a lot of times just like given a lot of pills for like ADHD and a bunch right. of other shit, like as young. So I feel like that actually issue was fine for me, like the way like that issue was raised of, well, sometimes parents just decide we're going to heavily medicate this kid so he doesn't get in trouble and then they fuck him up even more. So yeah, that actually worked for me. I'm glad that you brought that up because that did when I was rewatching it, I was like, oh, this could be, this is a tricky thing to say, like that you mm-hmm. need to stop taking medication because it's bad. Um, and obviously we know that that's not true, but I, I think you're exactly right. It goes back to that that lens at that specific time. Mm-hmm. I totally remember being in college and like being, you know, just very casually given, I don't know if it's still like this for young people, but very casually given all kinds of medication just to like chill me out or whatever. And my brother, the same thing, like ADHD. And he was given all kinds of meds. And so I think you're exactly right that it just, it was like that the late nineties, early aughts where it's like, everybody's still figuring out that part of it. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, how to prescribe and how, how, how kids deal with it. Yeah. Cause it seems like it lands on its message. There's more to it than this, but it's like, Oh, drowning yourself in pills. It yeah. may not be the answer, but I do think it uh, saves itself from being something that's like, don't be on medication because right. he was subs- prescribed kind of against his will since 13. I think anybody could argue that just being, you know, your father stuffing pills in you since you were like 13 years old is bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that's not the way. So I think it does kind of save itself from that uh, making some sort of wrong or making a political point period yeah and also there was a discussion of like there's another doctor's opinion and he's actually questioning questioning if those pills were prescribed correctly and he wants zach braff's character to speak to his psychiatrist and he's like well psychiatrist my dad and then immediately it's clear that that decision had some ulterior motives Mm -hmm. um no that's very interesting with the drugs and i feel like we uh we can all agree that it has like two sides to it yeah yeah, it's like it's it's enough for a whole movie just about that, right? Like there's so yeah. much there that was just kind of and, and maybe this is a, a justified criticism, which is there are things like that throughout that are just kind of sprinkled in sprinkled. Um, for dramatic purposes, perhaps. And they don't necessarily aren't explored to the point where you can kind of like respect the choice, <laughs> you know? <laughs> there's also a comedic point that's, I feel like that's my least fart, uh, favorite fart. I just said fart. My least favorite <laughs> part of the, which is fart, which is, yeah, like, which is think fart, about sure. it. Which is, yeah, my fart of the movie, <laughs> yes. uh, my least fart of the movie is when uh, a dog, a dog mm-hmm. that is, um, you know, a guide, mm-hmm. a guide, a guide to a blind woman, mm-hmm. um, a service dog, inexplicably really for a person who knows a lot about dogs working dogs inexplicably starts humping how funny zach braff's character and it's like never explored it's and i understand that it's supposed to be just funny just dumb funny Mm -hmm. but for some reason because i'm an expert in dogs and service (laughs) dogs i felt they were very misrepresented and the fact that the lady like having like had her dog leave her she didn't address that and uh that was just like a funny thing you know that's like that's that's the that's the least fart uh part for me of the the movie Mm -hmm. i would agree with that fart examination (laughs) uh yeah totally didn't like that part when i rewatched it that fart when i rewatched it um and i think (laughs) 
it's it is kind of i keep thinking about what joe is saying which is like oh well why not have this dog come hump me like everybody loves me in this movie like and, and it'll get the girl to talk to me exactly. like That's it's, a great it's point. such a it's plot a point it's just so she can talk to him and be quirky yes. because but a quirky girl would oh. tell you to kick a dog in the nuts but i haven't even <laughs> thought of it like that like, it makes so much sense that the dog didn't start barking at him or like chasing him the dog loved him so much that he abandoned his post (laughs) his job that he was bred and trained to do just to like jerk it at zach braff because he loved him so much yeah he's this enigmatically amazing guy who's an actor who doesn't even really need to say anything or look someone in the eye and they are into him they're like it's, it's moth to a flame for real for all yeah. of us, for all of us, really. For all of us, he just needs to purse his lip balmed, <laughs> fat, beautiful lips, and everybody's all over him. They do look very, uh, oh, I Juicy. hate this word, moist. Yeah, like they're like they're sticky. Like his lips look sticky yeah. throughout. I've not, but like I in a good way. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, it's like, like they're I... made out of wax, and he's in a really <laughs> hot room, and they're starting to just melt a little. At yes. edges, edges, <laughs> but not fully. There's some cooling system underneath. <laughs> it's worth checking out, y'all. And if with that's that, all you do. the the dog part, it's I was surprised how funny the movie is, mm. and like in a kind of silly, funny way in a lot of parts. Included, I didn't think the dog humping was funny, but it lands in kind of this like right. jokey. Yeah, yeah it's it only yeah. happened one for the plot point to get him. That could have been anything for Natalie Portman to talk to him, but it's like oh, dog humping, whatever. So I was. Uh, surprised at that given kind of the the emotional heft of the movie mm-hmm. yeah the original dramedy <laughs> exactly <laughs> right but Z- it's like zach braff goofy. created it um i i really some of the stuff that did land for me in terms of the comedy was the things that the people uh like his friends were saying to him about being an actor <laughs> like <laughs> when they were like trying to pitch him store you know ideas or like at one point, I think Peter Sarzar was like, "That that's improv, bitch. I'll teach you how to do that yeah. or whatever. Like, that stuff, I, th- I think, is so, like, realistic. Certainly, anytime I go home, you mm. know, somebody's yeah. trying to, you should write this or make this into a skit or whatever. But I, I thought that stuff was very funny. Um, and and they love well. to use word skit. Yeah. Skit is the <laughs> Which is skit. the new it, skit is now it's coming in, back. Uh, the teens oh, of shit. TikTok, they call it skit. Really? We're done. It's there is, now. If you like correct someone, or you make fun of them for using skit, like an SNL skit, yeah, like, mm-hmm. nice. you're actually now that is a sign that you're out of touch. What? I don't. Well, like thank this. God I have Joe, who's just a couple of years younger than me, to tell me what. Well, you know, <laughs> I happening hang out on with TikTok. A bunch of seventeen-year-old manic pixie dream girls, and uh, yeah, you do. They tell me. They tell me uh, what's up. That's amazing. But yeah, those moments hurt those acting mm-hmm. and like writing moments mm-hmm. the, those quotes and they're almost like we've seen them a million times since in mm-hmm. different media mm-hmm. about actors um right. and hollywood and whatnot and they sting every time because <laughs> i get those like fight butterflies from people being like you know i just went on a trip you should write a script about it I'm like i've been on trips too you know <laughs> I, I can do that you know who had very, like, you know, very negative reaction when they heard 
I'm about to watch this movie. My husband, he said, it's the mm. cringiest movie you've ever seen. I hate Zach Braff. Oh, That's wow. all he said. And then he refused to walk into the room to like, just like talk to me about something briefly because yeah. the movie was on. I don't know. Some people really, I think some men dislike him. Uh, my husband, although he didn't pers- he didn't say anything like uh, about Zach Braff about Zach Braff specifically, but I was like, do you want to watch this with me? And he was not interested. Interesting. <laughs> he yeah. was like, no, not, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. Yeah. Um, I think it, it, he, you know, not your husband, but maybe he, he also does, but like Zach Braff appeals to like really like women more than men. I, I don't I know so. if men yeah. jump on identifying with him quickly. I don't know, mm-hmm. Joe, you, maybe you have a say in that. Well, I think with this movie, um, who knows if I would have watched it a long time ago. I mm-hmm. think maybe I would have been more um, into it. Not to say I didn't like it. I actually, spoiler, spoiler. for the rating se- uh, <laughs> section, but mm-hmm. I did enjoy myself watching it. You, but yourself, but not the movie. It's very interesting. <laughs> it's almost yourself. like you, you the Zach Braff of this experience. Well, <laughs> yes, because I think this movie is its criticisms, but I don't think that... Uh, it, came out to be a bad product just those are valid criticisms right i mean you could watch commando with arnold schwarzenegger and criticize it heavily for you can go commando you could go commando (laughs) watching it for any farts you had (laughs) about it but uh you could about you know there's no women in it uh Mm -hmm. it's hyper violent the main character is just this you know, you, you could just go on and on, but it's still an enjoyable movie. But it is so all those Shank faults. Redemption is not a lot about making strong female characters either. <laughs> what is yeah. it? Yeah, Shank Redemption. Oh yes, yeah, not <laughs> not that at all. And yeah, it is those criticisms that I don't think that necessarily makes it this unwatchable trash at all. But yeah. I think historically, you could look at this movie and then be like, okay, this if this movie was made today, I think it would get kind of laughed at and written articles yeah. about of white boy complaining for, basically yes exactly white boy mm-hmm. complaining and this the manic pixie dream girl trope being yeah way mm-hmm. amped up and it mm-hmm. actually being it not <laughs> not right. just us saying hey this actress is that right so right it is all that but uh at the same time it is enjoyable yeah i mean it has an 86 percent uh, from critics on Rotten Tomatoes. And I love my tomatoes, so it means uh, a lot to me. It's it's just, it's a tricky thing, right? I, I agree. Like, if this was made today, I don't know that it would be my thing at all. I don't think I'd be interested in going to see it. But because it's such, like, a specific time in my life and in my young adult life and in my, my own coming-of-age story, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's to, it resonates in that way with me. Um, and I just, yeah, I guess ultimately... I I feel defensive of it because uh, be, for that reason, you know, it's hard. To, it's hard to hold things up to. Well, if it was made today, right? Like yeah. you have to kind of put it in context, especially with comedy. Like not mm-hmm. to say that it's pure comedy, but comedy moments to just twenty years later. I mean, yes, a- everything is in trouble. Exactly. Exactly. As we learned on this podcast from doing it, <laughs> Joe. I think it's time to move on to the ratings. What do you think? Oh, my. Yes, I would love to move on to the ratings. (laughs) Unless if there's any other things, Carly, you want to uh, discuss before we move on. I feel really good about 
about the discussion. I feel like I took in a lot of what you had to say and you took in what I had to say and we wow. came out we came out okay on it. It's a discussion. Yeah. Solid A plus. Eighty-six <laughs> percent on Rotten Tomato discussion. Eighty-six percent. Which so is what? Reading. It's like B minus, right? Eighty-six? I like well, I have a problem with uh, having the percent uh, of something applied to, like to, with the school grading system to mm. things. I don't think it it works. You know, I even think the school grading system of percents is like who's zero to fifty. Like where? Right. <laughs> what makes a twenty-five percent right. to a forty? Right. I'm pretty yeah. sure right. they're both things bad. Things are much simpler in <laughs> Russian. In Russian, things are just you get shot if you two, <laughs> three, four, and five. And that's it. Oh. You could do minus and plus. Like you can do like five plus is like whoa a plus right. Mm-hmm. But other than that, three is like no good. Three plus. What is this? Four minus. You're doing okay. Got it. I think that system works. One, it, I don't know why it exists. Is it thought about like as average, like this is average, this is failing, this is whatever? Meaning like... Yeah, I think uh, so. Okay. Five okay. is excellent, four is good, three is barely there, two is get out of here. Below and one is like, you pissed me off, like you should <laughs> stop. You didn't yeah. try. You got to mm-hmm. get out of this country. Yeah, and go to America, which is where we are. Oh, ironically, we all are, us. you're right. Yeah. Speaking of America, Joe, uh, how do the ratings work? In America, here's how the rating system works. We are going to rate Garden State on a scale of 0 to 10 using something else as a reference point. So that something else can be another movie or it could be uh, riding on a roller coaster. Because riding on a roller coaster is a 10. It's thrilling. And this movie was a 1 because it's not (laughs) thrilling. Whatever you want it to be, it doesn't really matter. And if that doesn't make sense, me and Sasha will go first. So I'm going to rate this movie uh, against uh, Howl's Moving Castle. Well, that's the- unfair. Why? Uh, because Howl's Moving Castle is great, but then maybe you hate it. I feel like you, I heard that you hate it. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> well, I have well, a lot of well. feelings. I, I'm, I'm, I, me, you're touching Miyazaki, so I'm getting Sasha better. never knows where I'm mm-hmm. at. Uh, but Howl's Moving Castle is a Miyazaki film. Mm-hmm. It was one that I watched. I think it came out in the U.S., around 2004 as well wow i mean also about a boy being loved yeah i saw it three times in theaters Mm -hmm. Uh, i was really into it then and it is about this uh woman who or this girl who turns old due to a spell and then meets this wizard howl who then she helps through his life Mm. and um i rewatched it recently it does not hold up. <laughs> it is... Trippy. It is this movie told from uh, Natalie Portman's perspective. Mm. You're too smart. You're too smart. <laughs> and it's really just a fuckboy story. Mm-hmm. It is a guy a who fuckboy. is so hot. all about himself, brings this girl in just because he needs that in his life isn't really helping her in any way. He dyes his hair black and then cries about it to the point where he almost destroys the world. It's a really cringy movie seen through kind of the lens where we're at as far as uh, gender roles in our movies, in our scripts. Uh, You know, the manic pixie dream girl falling into that, where we look Mm -hmm. at these movies now and we're like, okay, that's kind of regressive. 
Um, so I'm going to give Howl's Moving Castle a 4 out of 10. I don't think it holds up. I think it's kind of gross. And the cool elements of it are overshadowed by just a weird... The fuckboyishness fuck of it all. The fuckboyishness and it not being from his perspective either just makes that mm-hmm. feel worse somehow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now this movie, Garden State, first time <laughs> watching it. <laughs> I did really enjoy myself with this movie. I wow. think it is... It does have those regressive qualities with the Manic Pixie Dream Girl, but we love seeing Natalie Portman be adorable. Yeah. (laughs) So in comparison to Howl's, I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Sorry, Miyazaki, but Zach Brass directed a better regressive movie. (laughs) Don't tell Jay. Wowza. (laughs) Jay will die when he hears that. Wow. I'm I'm as surprised as anybody on that rewatch of Howl's, (laughs) how much I was disgusted by it. Howl's, you were disgusted by it. And I, you know, I'm not, as much as I'm talking about these things, it's not like I'm some uh, going to women's marches and being some (laughs) awesome ally. You should. I'm sorry. I should. I. I, I'm not like this great being as far as that, but that movie did like stick out to me like a sore thumb. And wow, yeah. interesting. That's incredible. I go next. I'm gonna compare this movie to Ted Lasso, the TV show. You Ooh, know, you know, core. everybody loves TV. Uh, you know, TV's favorite Ted Lasso. You know, God bless everybody. It's just the warm. You know, the new kind of comedy. You know, he's so sweet and he's just <laughs> saying these folksy things and and everybody just can't get enough of that. He's just giving him all kinds of awards and all that stuff. Um, I have no interest in watching Ted Lasso. Um, Ted Lasso to me is like, watch the pilot and never worry about it. You know, you can analyze it just because any pilot is great to analyze, but this is where it ends for me. I don't, I'm a strong believer. I mentioned this before. I'll say it again, mark my words. Warm core is not here to stay. It will go away because it's not funny. Uh, Ted Lasso <laughs> is a three because Ooh. God bless the actors, you know, not going to mm-hmm. make them feel bad because they're all friends of the show, by the way. They're all they listening. Listen. <laughs> 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 and I'm going to give uh, Zach Braff's little baby a 6.5. I'm going to mm-hmm. 6.5. It was a little bit b- white boy. Look at me. I'm so lacking empathy, but I'm cute. Um, and the dog moment took some, shaved some points off. But overall, I enjoyed it, and I used to love it. Like, if I mm-hmm. were to compare it to my nostalgic first viewing, like, that I feel nostalgically about, like, the first time I saw it, like, I feel like I had, like, a 9 or 10. So, you know, there's still part of me that just feels quite happy seeing Garden State. Yes. Most Great. importantly, Carla, what about you? Um, well, I would like to um, compare it to uh, another Manic Pixie Dream Girl mm. movie that came out around the same time, maybe a few years later, which would be 500 Days of Summer. Oh. Um, mm. Feels like that's kind of a nice equivalent um, around the same era. And I think that what 500 Days of Summer does so well is that even though it is through the male gaze and it, it is the male's story, she does have a lot of agency and she makes a lot of her own choices. And she makes it very clear to him by the end that she is not the dream girl that he thinks that she is. Um, and I really love the twist of that in that film. Spoilers for 500 yeah, Days spoilers, of Summer. Yeah, spoilers, sorry. Uh, so I'm going to give 500 Days of Summer an 8 out of 10. 
Um, and I'm going to say that Garden State, in terms of, you know, the the element of the female in the movie, even though I understand why it is the way it is, uh, it makes it more of like a six for me uh, mm-hmm. when I think about it like that. Although I will still defend it as being a much better movie than people give it credit for. Fair <laughs> enough. Same. Yep. Yep. Sounds like we're all Zach Braff's fans. We're we're Braffers. We're Braffers. Hashtag Braffers. (laughs) Hashtag Braffers got together, braffed about, uh, and now on to plugs. Uh, Carla, is there anything you'd like to plug? Maybe your socials? Uh, Aren't you doing a show? Yeah. Uh, So uh, you can find me on Twitter at Carla Kikowski. You can find me on Instagram, Carla Kikowski. I just stick with my real name. I don't have any like fun, fun little handle. and then I'm doing an improv show on uh, December 13th at the Glendale Room, a two-person improv show with my husband. It's called Orange Tuxedo. So if you're around and listening, I'm going to send this to my mom, so maybe she'll fly out. Fantastic. <laughs> um, we will post the link to the theater um, in the description of the episode. Thank you. Great. Joe, what's going on with you? Go to JoeCabello.com. Go to my Patreon. My book is up for free on there sure or not for free you subscribe and you get the whole book as well as my back catalog of comics and books it is about uh in a world of um god i should have it up in a world of super powered uh police officers known as ultra cops a uh never mind i'll re-record this <laughs> and you put in the thing go get it it's subscribe for a dollar you get a bunch of books it's good stuff i read the book and i highly recommend very imaginative and fun and joe just really has a way with words i i really fucking love the way he describes shit thank you thank you elizabeth salute for the artwork thank you mr owl for this amazing track thank you carla for coming on shut up i love it thank you for having me this was an honor i loved it such a blast thank you all and zach Braff, because i know you're listening thank you for that for listening <laughs> <laughs>